0: And now, the reading of the scripture.
1: Our reading today is from Matthew, chapter 6, verses 7 to 18. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that there will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then, like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. But they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. In the
0: month of March the number of Google searches for prayer skyrocketed. Uh, Pew Research Center survey said that uh, 50% of all Americans are praying right now to end COVID. So people are praying right now. And of course they're praying. This is a time of real uncertainty and confusion and chaos. This is when people tend to pray. And yet at the same time, the fact that so many people are Googling prayer which seem to suggest that there is a lot of uncertainty surrounding how to pray. And that's what makes our passage this morning so incredibly important, because here in our passage, Jesus is telling us how to pray, how to pray. Now, the point that Jesus is going to get across to us this morning, and it's very important, it's this, that your view of God actually has a major impact on how you pray. Who impacts the how? How you view God actually has a huge shaping influence on the way that you pray. If on the one hand you see God as a distant deity, then you're going to pray one way. If on the other hand you see God as a loving Heavenly Father, you're going to pray a very different way. And that's what we'll learn this morning. First, if you see God as a distant deity... You're going to pray one way. Now listen, in verse 7, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, Jesus says, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. So here in these verses, Jesus is outlining a very distinct view of God and the impact that that has on the way that a person prays. Jesus says, um, do not heap up empty phrases. And the Greek word hiding behind that phrase, empty phrases, is a very interesting word. It's battlegesite, battlegesite. And it's a very, it's a notoriously difficult word to translate. But some scholars, some scholars think that the word is really an example of onomatopoeia. Now that's gonna take us all the way back to high school English, I realize. Remember what that is? It's a word that sounds like a thing, it symbolizes. For example, boom, crash, bang, onomatopoeia. And and some think that this word, babelogesete, is onomatopoeic. In other words, it sounds like the thing, it symbolizes. What does it symbolize? It sounds a little bit like babbling. In fact, that's how some commentators, or translators rather, actually translate this. Do not babble, they say. Don't babble. Now, I guess the question is, why would people babble in prayer? Why would they do that? Why would they um, stack up a bunch of words? I mean, that does sound a little strange, but it's not. Because if you think about it, underlying this kind of babbling approach. The, the stacking up of words is a very real paradigm. Uh, the way that people tend or may view God and the way that they think God relates to them. Because you see, if, if God is a God who, who needs to be appeased, if he's a God who, when you pray, you have to say all the right things, all the right words, you have to say enough, then this God is a very precarious God. I mean, what kind of God is he? What, what kind of God requires you to sort of pray a certain way with enough words in order to be heard? Well, he's either oblivious to your situation, oblivious to your needs, so oblivious that he has to kind of be nagged, the way that a child might grab your pant leg and just yank at it until they get your attention. Or maybe, maybe, worse than that, maybe not worse, he's a God who knows what you actually need, but he's holding out on you. He knows exactly what you need, but he wants you to sweat. He wants to see some skin in the game. He wants to see some blood, sweat, and tears. He wants you to earn it. Now, I want to suggest to you, that that kind of God is actually a relatively, uh, incredibly small and safe God. He's a God that you can actually control. If you just say enough, then he's going to give you whatever it is that you want. This kind of God really is is, is a pathetic God. He's a little deity. He's a domesticated deity that you can control. But maybe that's what you want. You want a God you can control, you want a god you can keep at arm's length, while at the same time giving you everything that you want. But I wanna, I wanna submit to you that that kind of god is not worth your time. He's not worth praying to. A god you can control, a little deity is not is not a god who's going to really fully make you alive into the human being that you are always designed to be, and to speak to the god who who calls you to talk to Him, and to be in relationship with Him. So, your view of God is really going to impact the way that you pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray to God as though He's some distant deity to be appeased. He's not. He is a loving, heavenly Father. And that will change, that will impact the way that you actually pray to Him. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray to your heavenly father, who already knows what you need. Pray to your heavenly father. Last week I said that the the father-child relationship is an incredibly intimate relationship. I told you about how I call my dad and say, hey dad, it's Kieran, and we just talk. I talk. I talk about anything that I want to talk about, because I can, because I'm his child. And I encouraged you last week to just talk to your father. But here's the great thing. Here's the amazing thing about what Jesus says now about prayer. He's actually giving us words to speak. And that's what any parent does. A parent gives his, her children, child words to speak. I mean, that's how we learn. My 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 firstborn, his first word was Ba. That's Baal. But my, my firstborn, my first daughter. It was, that's Kitty. Do you know where they got those words from? Me or Wendy, one of us. We gave them the words to speak, and there's no shame in that. That's what parents are supposed to do. They give their children words, and we're, we're being given words to pray to our Heavenly Father. How great is that? Now, there are six prayer requests in this petition, six. And they kind of break down into two sections. Prayers that are... I will say directed towards God, three of them, which would be his name, uh, his, his kingdom and his will. And then, uh, three other petitions in a second section that are more directed towards us, food, forgiveness, and deliverance. And we're going to learn how to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. You know, not, not, not necessarily the words themselves, although that's fine. These are really more of a template. They're more of a structure, a springboard, if you will, to pray, to fill in. And so, first of all, the first request is this, Hallowed be your name. Now, Hallowed, obviously, is a word that we don't use very often, if at all. Um, but it is a, it's a, it's a word that essentially means to make holy, Uh, And and holy means that which is different, that which is distinct, that which is separate, that which is incredibly important and special. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray, hallowed be your name. Now, name, when we think of name, it's not just a combination of letters. Like, my name is Kiernan, but, you know, that's K-I-E-R-N-A-N. That's not what he means by name. Name means in this context, everything that God is and all that he does, his person and all of his works. And so when we are praying, how would be your name? We are praying, hear this, that, that people more and more would see and savor and understand and worship and glorify God for the amazing God that he is. That's what we're praying for. And that is a a really dangerous prayer request. Why? Because we human beings, we have this tendency, let's say, to make anything other than God, God. We take anything and we make it God. And so what this prayer is doing is it's redirecting us to the true God. It's it's reordering our hopes. It's a prayer that God would be God and not other things. And God would be so God to us that we would be so intoxicated with who he is and his beauty and his glory that we would worship him more and more people all around us. What a huge prayer request. But there's a second prayer request. And it's this. Your kingdom come. Now every kingdom has a king and God's kingdom has a king. But here's the thing. His kingdom. It says right here, we're praying for it. It is for his kingdom to come. Now that doesn't mean that he's not the king. It doesn't mean that he's not ruling and over all things. That's not what it's saying. But his kingdom in a very special, a very special sense. It is his kingdom of love and grace. A kingdom where he, he, he invites people into his, his beautiful kingdom where people uh, turn from their own kingdoms. We're there at the center, and the smallness of that, really, and into this glorious kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the kingdom that, that we are praying to come. And my friends, we need that kingdom to come. And if, if this past week has taught us anything, with, with just the incredible sadness and harshness and the the brokenness and the injustice and the racism that we have seen, if if this week and a bit has taught us anything, we are we are people who need His kingdom to come. Now, listen, I don't I don't fully understand everything that's happened. I I don't know what it is to be um, profiled. I don't know that I've ever experienced prejudice or racism. I I don't really understand these things. You know, there is a certain whiteness to me, if you haven't noticed. And I I don't fully understand these things. I want to, but I, I don't fully understand these things. But what I do understand is this, that racism is evil and the Bible calls it sin. And sin is making anything that is not God, God. And when we take anything, even ethnicity, and we elevate one over the other, the inevitable consequence is that one will always look disparagingly down upon another and there will be injustice. The only way we will ever overcome racism is if our hearts as humans are changed, There is something wrong with us. There is something broken inside of us. And only our Creator can heal us. Only our Creator can re-image us and make us into the person, the people, the human beings that He always designed us to be. The problem is not out there. It's in our hearts. Alexander Soltanicev said, The line separating good and evil passes not through states, not between classes, not between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This is why we need to pray for his kingdom to come. We need to pray that Jesus Christ would more and more be seen as the savior that we need. And that people would would turn to him, be put inside of him, would understand that God sees people in Christ as Christ himself. And when people are seen that way, there is no need to put yourself above another person or to hurt them. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things are new in Christ, neither male or female, Jew or Gentile, but all one. Oh God, may your kingdom come. And three, may your will be done. And this one follows very closely from the second prayer request. And it is a prayer that God's perfect, moral, ethical will would be the standard in our world. That we would not just love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but that we would actually love people and love them the way they deserve to be loved as image bearers of the living God. Oh God, may your kingdom come and may your will be done. This is absolutely massive. It's massive. What we're being invited into here in these prayer requests, what we're being invited to partner with God over is is absolutely huge. And don't you want something bigger than what you know? I mean, so much of our lives, isn't it true, is just wrapped up in me and myself and my kingdom and what I want. And, and there's a there's a smallness and a meagerness to that, don't you find? We're being called into something bigger than us, something grander than us, into a, a wildly amazing narrative where we where we work with God, partner with God to see his name hallowed, his kingdom come, his will be done. The Huffington Post wrote an article not too long ago and they said we want things bigger than we know. We, we, they talk about four levels. One Level one is just individual goals, great, but we want more, something bigger. Level two, family, focused on family, great, amazing, but we want more. Level three, community, we want to be involved in good, solid causes awesome but we want more something bigger and the last one talks about god and spirituality we want something that we can outlast or that will outlast and outlive us don't we want to be caught up swept up into something so big so huge something like who god is and his greatness And the the extension of the fame of his name and his kingdom and his will all over this earth. That's what we want. That's what we're praying for. This is nothing small. It is massive. And we're being called to pray this. Let's move to the next three petitions. Because they become a little more directed at us. And we'll see why. But first, it says... Uh, When you pray, pray this, pray. Give us today our daily bread. And here we're not just praying for bread, but bread as it symbolizes everything that we need. Food, clothing, shelter, jobs, uh, financial provision, everything that we need for, for life. And we're not just praying for ourselves, we're not. I want you to notice the plurality of what Christ is saying here. Give us today our daily bread. And I don't know that I've ever lived at a time in North America where where the reality of this prayer has not sort of pressed in on me so deeply because there are people who not too long ago knew a level of security, but that has evaporated. And there is a desperation and a need in our day that I have never seen around me. There are people who have lost their jobs. There are people who have lost opportunities. There are people who are really struggling out of work, out of their businesses, and it is crushing. And we have an opportunity to partner with God and pray that God will provide for them. Give them, oh God, their daily bread. And then there's this. It's, God is not just concerned about our physical well-being. He, he's interested in our spiritual well-being. And he says, forgive us our debts, oh God. What's the debt? Sin is a debt. Sin is a debt, and that debt is this. We owe God everything. We owe God our obedience. But we haven't paid him, so we have a debt. We have a debt we cannot pay. And the only one who can clear that debt is God, and God can only do that if he forgives that debt. And here's the great news. The great news is that he has forgiven that debt in Jesus Christ. And he brings people into his kingdom and he forgives all of their sins. They become his children, sons and daughters of of God. And then we get to turn to him as children and ask for his forgiveness for the ways that we, we act out and misbehave as children. It doesn't change our status as children, but it does change our intimacy with them when we ask for that forgiveness. And God is so concerned about our wellness and our, not just our physical, but our spiritual well-being that he's given us this prayer request. When you sin, when there's a debt, come to me and I will cancel that debt because of my son, Jesus Christ, and I will change you. And that's the last prayer request. That that God would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why would God lead us into temptation? He doesn't. He's just saying what he's saying a little bit further on in that phrase, or in that verb, in that sentence, that he would deliver us. To not be led to temptation is to be delivered from temptation. And all of the things that would trip you up, all the things that would catch you and, and, and lead you to sin. And would lead you by, let's say, not just your own heart, but the evil one, because it could be interpreted that way. We're praying for God's protection. We're praying for his transformation, not just in our lives, but in other people's lives as well. We want, we need our daily bread. We need to be forgiven. We need to be delivered. And so we pray for these things. Why? And here it is. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Why do we pray? Give us today our daily food. Why do we pray for forgiveness? Why do we ask him to forgive us just the way we forgive others? Because we've been changed. Why? Why do we pray, Lord, deliver us from evil and from the evil one? We are doing it for the glory of God because it is by God God and through God and for God that all things were made. You and I were made to glorify our Father. And God, through these beautiful prayer requests, invites us into this grand narrative where we get to participate in something so huge, so big, so awesome. And don't you want that? I do. So, Christ is teaching us how to pray. But how do we pray this prayer? I want to suggest a few things. One, you might want to consider praying this prayer in one sitting. Just go through it. Let your imagination run wild. Use it as a springboard. Go through the entire prayer in one sitting. Or maybe this week you want to break up each of these prayer requests into one. Seven prayer, six prayer requests will take you through the week. Or maybe you want to space it over the month. It's your call. It's yours to use. It's your guide. talk to your heavenly father and that's the point he's your heavenly father and he wants to hear from you because he's good and because he's gracious he's not a small little deity who's holding out on you who's indifferent to you he is a good father and christ has made you or could make you this very day into a child of God to speak to your father about these very important things, would you today, would you this week, go to your father in heaven who knows what you need, and would you pray to him with the very words that he has given to you? Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, what a, what a privilege it is to begin our prayer that way. Our Father in heaven, you are a father who listens and you hear us. And we thank you so much for these prayers that we can pray to you. Help us to pray these prayers. Help us to take these words and let them become our words. Let them become words that we add words to so that we fill them out in our own ways, in our own contexts. And Father, may, may you hear these prayers and may, may all that you ask us to pray come to pass as we lift up our hearts to you, our Father in heaven. Amen.